Welcome to the Rough Puffs. I'm your host, Andrea Bennett. And I'm Kim Fu. This is a podcast where we rewatch and discuss The Great British Bake Off. We're up to Series 4, Episode 9, the semifinal. And uh, c'est la semaine française! Yeah, <laughs> la semaine française et notre dernière cat, Bakers. Um, <laughs> uh, so we've got Becca, we've got Kimberly... We've got Francis and we've got Ruby. Mel calls it a, soror- a baking sorority. Baking sorority. Because it's all women. Yeah. Like... I don't see Ruby ever joining a sorority. Um, None of them have but... sorority sister vibes, I don't think. Wait a second. Is it Becca who sings in the Military Wives Choir? Yeah, that feels very different to me, though. <laughs> I could see her potentially joining sorority. Military Wives Choir sounds so genuinely wholesome, though. Sorority sounds to me like the veneer of wholesomeness over darkness. Debauchery? Yes, yes, over debauchery. And, like, um, reifying class division? I don't know. Sure. Uh, Anyway, alrighty. Let's not uh, make ourselves some more enemies. Um, So there... Uh, signature this week is really tough when you take into consideration the time limit on it. They do three canapes. One has to be shoe-based, one pastry-based, and one is up to them. And they need to do 12 of each. Um, they should be tantalizing and visually enticing. Two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. That is such a brief mm-hmm. period of time. So... Francis makes uh, ones that are shaped like vegetables, which I thought yeah. was remarkable because the previous week she had made that vegetable garden cake that had gone so right. her 3D sculptural cake that had gone so sideways and was so sad. And when she pulled this out, I was like, well, I guess it didn't diminish her enthusiasm for vegetable shaped pastries. She, she was ready to tackle carrots again because last mm-hmm. time it was like hidden carrot cake. And this time she did um, uh, Chantenay carrots. Um, by kind of like wrapping them around maybe a pastry tip. I couldn't totally tell like what she was using there. And she got the color for them from smoked paprika. And then she did shoe pastry tomatoes, so like buns, um, with a smoked trout pate. And she did tiny cauliflowers made with scones and um, topped with like a cauliflower cheese puree and some kind of like... um. I, was it just lettuce under the It was just lettuce give, leaves, Okay, yeah. all right. Um, and she does the cheese and chive scone. So it seems like she's trying to pack in as much flavor as possible. They looked so good. Like, gorgeous. Would, especially yeah, the cauliflower. As, as pieces of sculpture, they were incredible, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I had a hard week last week, and I drank, like, a liter of coffee a day. And then oh, so no. this week I was trying to reel back a little bit and so in like caffeine withdrawal I was watching this episode and it made me really I the caffeine withdrawal makes me really want like garbage food you know I really want like cheesies yeah or like I want like french fries and grilled cheese sandwiches and like heaps Mm. of bacon and things like that um and so watching them make these like perfect little canapes most of them quite like Becca Francis and Ruby I would well, Francis and Ruby, I would describe their canapes as sort of vegetal, you know, and then yeah. Becca's were kind of boring, I thought, or obvious. And I was really like, I was zoning out a little bit because I was like, uh, this is not what appeals to me right now is like these little, yeah. these little There's canapes. There's not enough meat, meat in here to... I was like, you know, I want heaps of something of like, you know, intensity. And then... 
they ex- Kimberly they explain what Kimberly's were, right? Oh yeah. Her pea puree tarts, her crab wasabi profiteroles, and her her steamed bao with barbecue chicken. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, never mind. I want those. Like, I yeah. want to c- clear out Kimberly's. Like those. I you know I was in love with it at the concept stage. Um, and then I can, you know, I was more in love with it watching her make them. And then when the judges ate them, they were like, they were totally blown away. You know, so they looked beautiful. Mary said, you know, they're, they're most tempting. And then when she took her, when she put the puree tart in her mouth, she made this involuntary, like, mm, noise that mm. I feel like we don't get from Mary very much. Paul says like all three are ingenious. His only complaint is that the the bow is too big. The bow is too big, which you know would, is never going to be a complaint of mine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, who cares, Paul? Come on. Yeah, yeah. He he pointed out that the um the ratio of filling to bun is perfect, and I feel like that's yeah. like one of the most challenging things, or that's a thing that people often get wrong, like when you get mm. bow out in the world. And so I was like, I was a hundred percent team Kimberly, like from start to finish. She did an amazing job. Um. The shoe buns, hers were super cool. They're not the flavors that I love. Well, I don't like crab, and I don't really love mas- uh, wasabi, but they look oh. great. And the um, pea and parma tarts, I would eat a lot of those. And, yeah. and I mean, yeah, I, they're, everything looked amazing. She did a really great job. And at the end of the segment, she was happy and said, like, you know, if the only thing they faulted me on was the size of the bow, I am... I can be contented with that. That's fine. They were so colorful too. Like they were beautiful and fun. They felt like, you know, they felt like a party and they felt fancy at the same time. And like, you know, super modern. They looked good on the plate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought Ruby's looked, well, I guess a bit uneven. Um, So her, her shoe buns uh, with whipped goat's cheese and caramelized red onion that is a flavor combination that very much appeals to me. She does a spinach, parmesan, and quail's egg tartlet that is fine, but underfills it. And then she does um, a beetroot jelly on poppy seed biscuit, which I'm not personally all that interested in. It For me, that would need a cheese element um, to be... I don't really want just like jelly on biscuit exactly, but. So she explains to the camera that the reason why she doesn't fill her tarts all the way is because if the egg spills over a little bit, then, you know, it runs down the sides in the muffin tin and they, you know, the bottoms get soggy, right? Paul suggests poaching the eggs individually in a mold that is, you know, precisely the size of the, of the tart hollows and then trans and then popping each one in individually. And my notes, I was like, Come on, Paul. No one is going to fucking do that. Like, maybe a caterer who is the best the best paid caterer in the world, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, and not in two and a half hours. Like, that's just not reasonable. The fact mm-hmm. that she had her egg cooked well in that tart is impressive enough. Just leave it be, Paul. And also, I mean, I guess I can, I can see why he has to pay attention to that detail. But I don't necessarily care about that if there's like a little bit of space at the top of the tart shell i don't care if the tart Mm. pastry is delicious i'm here for the carbs mary liked the way they all looked together like like uh most of the people like like grouped the same ones together whereas ruby did kind of a mixed array across the plate she did like rows so you yeah so you kind of alternated between the kinds of 
with between the different kinds, which did look cool. Sorry. Yeah, and so Mary said she liked that aesthetic, that she liked the way they all look together. I thought Paul was like straining hard to be kind of critical of Ruby during the judging. Like um, he he called her shoe buns flat, and they didn't look flat to me. They looked perfectly puffed up Um, and then he like was struggling to say something negative once they were in his mouth like he he seemed to like the shoe buns with goat cheese and I wondered if this episode took place after like the controversy about you know people accusing Paul of being biased toward Ruby or like having a crush on Ruby or flirting with Ruby Um, because that did happen while the series was airing Um, and he seemed really like straining to be mean to her in this one and I wondered if like you know what the timing was on that yeah, he, I don't look up a lot of the um, like hot goss around GBBO because I pref- I prefer to just watch the episodes and think about food, but um, apparently he had a tryst uh, with someone who was not his wife like mm-hmm. while this season was being filmed, and so that was happening at the same time. Some viewers thought he was flirting with Ruby or Ruby was flirting with him, which I think is not accurate. Like, they have no chemistry whatsoever. Like, I don't think they have, like, the opposite of chemistry. I would, I think that Mary is actually easier on Ruby Mm -hmm. for some reason. Like, that, and, but, which is obviously not a sexual, I don't think a sexual reason, but more like a grandmotherly reason. I think Ruby in this whole episode seems kind of anxiety sick. You know, she often Mm. seems on the brink of tears. She seems a little fragile, a little like flushed and like red nose. Like she seems kind of from the beginning or like halfway through the signature, she seems kind of on the brink of tears. Um, And so I can see why Mary would be trying to, you know, lower the temperature. Um, In in one of the judges, I can't remember which, Paul says, it has issues, but you know that. Because I think like she's just so worked up, like there's no point in like continuing to go in on her. That's a showstopper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, yeah, I don't know what's up. Ruby had gotten a little bit more confident, like had been building her confidence over the course of the series. And I did feel like she had a bit of a slide back for whatever reason this episode. All right. We should really quickly chat about um, Becca's before we move on. So Becca does a Stilton and Walnut macaron beetroot chew buns with smoked salmon and horseradish creme fraiche and she actually gets her shoe buns to be like beetroot red with the with some beetroot powder and juice well and i mean she, they're they're kind of a singed red a singed yeah. red color because she overbakes <laughs> them a little bit well yeah i yeah i'm just trying to give her a generous description and um welsh rarebit tartlets so um Kind of like cheese on toasty tartlets. Um, so her macarons, as soon as she was describing the idea, so she was just going to like cut circles of Stilton and put them between macaron biscuits. So I was like, oh no, Muffin, you're making a terrible mistake. Ruby makes a much better choice with whipping her goat cheese, um, probably with some cream to loosen it up so she can pipe it in and so that you can bite through the actual bun. If you just put a slice of Stilton on a macaron, the macaron is going to, like, crack apart as you try to eat the thing. It's not going to work because even though Stilton's not, like, a super hard cheese, your teeth are going to get stuck there. So it just seemed like an awful idea. Paul points that out at the beginning, like, when she's explaining it. He says you're not doing anything to the Stilton. Like, it's just a slice of cheese. 
she's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it needs it. He tells her it's a bad idea at the very beginning. And then he kind of, the side chat with Mary, he says it again. Talk some smack. Yeah, he suggests at the end that she should have melted them together in some way, which I could sort of see. Yeah, that I didn't, that had not occurred to me. What occurred to me was like incorporating it, like whipping it somehow to soften it up. But melting it also makes some sense. But then you'd have your cheese leaching oil into your, I guess if you're just quickly blasting it with a blowtorch. Anyway, whatever. I think it's like quick blast at the end to just make yeah. it seal together, make it feel like a more cohesive package. And thinner circles. Yes. Thinner circles. Paul suggested that too. They looked very underwhelming as a group mm-hmm. on the plate. You know, like the overall color palette was sort of pale and dun colored, you know, like it wasn't, yeah. they weren't appealing food colors. They were all kind of similar looking. I do. Well, I love smoked salmon and I love a ra- oh, Welsh rarebit actually. Yeah. I don't know. I think she could have happily served them at a dinner party. Like if she serves them at a dinner party, your friends would all be like, oh, this, are you doing a good job? But on episode nine of TBBO, yeah, I guess then it, it's just not up to the level of the competition. This time That's around. true of the person who does the worst in episode one that their friends would be impressed at a dinner. Yeah, party. <laughs> no, not always, not always. Okay, so the technical challenge is a Charlotte Royale. So you make a Swiss roll, you slice it, you form a dome around a set fruit custard called a Bavarois. Again, they get two and a half hours, two hours this afternoon, half an hour tomorrow. So the fact that they're working with gelatin, it has to set, blah, blah, blah. In episode one, I can definitely see if they'd made this a technical challenge in an early episode that someone would have a splat bavarois. Yes, but okay, picture this. It's like you're at your friend's house. They bring out like a ruined heap of Swiss roll (laughs) and like, you know, covered in kind of a fruity custard sauce with like pieces of fruit in it and it's like a heap and they're like i'm sorry i tried to make a charlotte royale you'd be like awesome like hand me a spoon like let's go in on this and this is actually what i hate about this dessert is i think it is hideous and all the things that make it really challenging to make are what makes it hideous i think just a heap of slices roll with (laughs) like you know with a nice mousse like on the side way better like a way better format for these flavors and textures like i think yeah. it looks stupid i think what really ruins it is that glaze at the end the glaze. it's so disgusting it looks like you know alien goo it looks like the cake was recently born you know yeah. it, it's like a they make a mix of i think it's like arrowroot powder maybe it's just arrowroot powder and sh- sugar and i guess probably water to glaze it and it, it does it makes it it takes it from a dome of Swiss roll with, like, often some of them have Bavarois sticking out, who cares, to making it really look like a brain, which they say, but, like, I don't want to eat... People do eat brains, but... Why would you want it to look gooey? It doesn't add anything to the texture. It doesn't add anything to the flavor. It just makes it look gooey. Like, what's the point of that? Shiny. But a gross shiny... A- a wet animal shiny not <laughs> i think that i would rather have an individual little cup of mousse like a ramekin of mousse with either the swiss roll on top or even just like on the side so mm-hmm. i could choose like which bites i wanted to take and that would be a nice you know a nice little 
dessert. But yeah, it looks weird. But the okay, that being said, Kimberly knows what she's doing. She knocks it out of the park again mm-hmm. by um she does the thing you're supposed to do, which is like pre-roll your Swiss roll before you put the filling in. She she scores the first edge and then mm-hmm. do, and then does the pre-roll. Yeah. And then she fills it. And so mm-hmm. she's able to get a super tight roll with really consistent filling. Ruby doesn't do that, and so she's trying to roll it, but she's, like, also trying not to squeeze all the jam out. Her jam is also way too thin. You can tell, like, from the texture and the color. It's just, it wasn't going to work. I get the sense that Kimberly makes jam a lot because she knows what she's looking for and does a good job. And also it's like, how wrong can it go? It's just sugar and fruit. She explains how to make this so well to the camera every step of the way. Like as though this was her cooking show and she had pre-prepared for this to explain the science of every step and this is what happens if the jam is is not cooked long enough or it's boiled too long. This is why you add the fat later when you're making making the Swiss roll. You know, this is why you score it. This is why, you know, this is the temperature when eggs are set and you don't want to go that much further because then it will split. Just so confident, so smooth. And it, it made me feel like if she had a cooking show, which she might, I didn't look it up. Um, but if she would make such a great presenter. Like it would be so soothing to watch her cook and teach and explain. If this is what she's like in a surprise technical, like imagine what she's like in a you know, when she's had time to prepare for a segment. She's so competent and chill and fun to watch. Um, mm-hmm. She did such a great job. Um, and, and you know, in the past when she hasn't done something correctly, like the time that she messed up the tweels, she was like, I've learned something about tweels. Mm-hmm. Like her, mm-hmm. she just has a really healthy approach to stuff too. Um, I, I don't know if she has a, I don't think she has a cooking show, but I'm not 100% sure. But you know who does is Becca in Welsh. Oh, interesting um so sorry last last thought on the point my favorite of these kimberly moments was when she had her dome of swiss roll and she was holding it up to the light to see where light leaked through (laughs) and she was saying anywhere the light comes through that's where that's where the bavoir is gonna look leak through and it was like oh that's like that's so that's the most precise way to do it you know yeah she, no, she did a great job, and she stuffed up all the holes. Like, her bavarois was in there, and none none coming through for Kimberly, which was untrue for everybody else. Mm-hmm. However, when they all set theirs out on the table, as I mentioned before, like, there's no splat. Like, no one fails horrifically. Ruby's is the worst, but even still, it's not awful i guess she has like very little mousse in hers somehow i i don't know if it's soaked into the swiss roll or like what happened her swiss roll itself is also quite small in addition to having the jam run out like if it feels like every element of it went sideways along the way and somehow she still put it together into a pretty decent final package (laughs) yeah that holds up until you get into those details. Yeah, and then you take a look and you're like, mm. um, Francis also has like way too much Swiss roll on the bottom. It's like she ran out of Bavarois and just shoved Swiss roll in until the bowl was full, mm-hmm. which you can't tell until you open it up. Yeah. But yeah, so obviously Kimberly wins the technical and Ruby loses it and, um, I can't even remember. Oh, I think Becca comes in second and Francis comes in No, other way around. Becca 
oh. comes in third, and she also knows that it's her and Ruby. You know, like oh right at the end right. at the, on the chopping block, she says that Ruby says um, that was everything I expected. At least I was prepared. I knew I was going to come last. Um, yeah. And I wrote down in my notes next to that is no Ruby no, <laughs> um, because this is a mindset I really. I really disagree with fundamentally. It is not better to be prepared because you were pessimistic. Like it, mm. this, and this is something a lot of people say and believe this, like, you know, if you're, pre- if you're prepared for the worst, if you're as pessimistic as possible, at least then you're never surprised. Um, but to expect the worst is very different than to be prepared for the worst, you know, to go through yeah. life constantly expecting to fail and then to be always looking for, validation of your worst beliefs about yourself is a miserable way to go through life. Um, and it's not logically sound the way a lot of people want to believe it is. I mean, it's a bit of a symptom of depression, is it not? That's not only what it is. Like for some people, this is, some people do believe this is the most rational worldview. Oh, yeah, no, it's not. I mean, you only live the one time, so you might as well not be dreading I don't know. Anyway, I guess I probably like tend in this direction, although I don't want to. Um, But it's more of an anxiety thing for me. Like I think through all of the different possibilities, but I'm not necessarily expecting the worst or assuming the worst, but I've thought about the worst. And it, yeah, it is true that you're rarely surprised. But then the times you are surprised, it's like even worse. You spend a lot of time being unhappy about things that haven't happened and things right. that won't ever happen that oh, way. Yeah. They talk about this in therapy as a bad bad life choice. It becomes more important to be right than to be happy. Oh, yeah. Poor Ruby. All right, shall we move on to Andrea's baking corner and away from this weird brain cake? Let's do it. So I made um, Ruby's shoe buns with whipped goat's cheese and caramelized onions. And um, they, so I made, I've made shoe once before. I made shoe for the Perry breast for last season for the bicycle cake. And wait, was that the first time you made shoe? Like in your life? Yeah. Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. So this is my second time making shoe. And uh, it went pretty well. Yeah. Um, they, I got a better rise on these ones. The recipe said to stab them and then put them back in the oven to kind of help them, like, dry out a little bit. And that also helped them get their little, like, hole in the center, I th- think. Um, so then I whipped goat's cheese. Well, I whipped cream and folded goat's cheese in with just, like, some pepper and then piped it into the center of the puff so ruby seems to cut hers in half put the goat cheese on put the caramelized onions in and then put the hat on top i piped mine into the center of the puff so that it would be kind of like a profiterole and then put the onions on top so Mm -hmm. that there was like a bit of a visual bit more of a visual element was the idea um but they were really tasty they're will's favorite gbbo bake along bake okay first question what kind of pan did you use for the onions it's a variety of nonstick that's not teflon 
It's like the rock or something. I don't know. It's from the Canadian Tire. So it was a nonstick pan. Yeah, but you make like, so the, it's a tech, it's not actually caramelized onions. That's a cheat. It's like an onion relish. So you soften the onions for only 15 minutes. If I was actually oh. caramelizing onions, I would caramelize them for, I don't know, like an hour. But mm. no. And then you um, add balsamic vinegar and sugar, which is actually good for this recipe, given the ghost cheese, because then you get a little bit more intensity of flavor mm-hmm. for, than you would from, like, an actual caramelized onion, which also takes a lot longer. So not knowing about the vinegar, based on the very dark color you got on originally red onions, oh, yeah. um, I assumed you had been caramelizing them in a pan that's not nonstick, for like three oh. hours. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, sorry. And I was like, nope. man, that is some dedication. <laughs> no. I jam. That makes much more sense. Yeah. The, the, uh, I do actually think the cheat is better in this situation because you want the acid from the vinegar. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, actual caramelized onions are quite sweet and kind of only sweet well it's like a complex sweetness but yeah anyway mm-hmm. so this one's a cheat i had more questions but i got lost in my pan <laughs> thought um well one is just do the did the onions stay like like are, are they sort of wet and sticky enough to kind of adhere no like you kind of have to pick it up carefully and so if i did it again i would put them in the center and then do something else on top it's not the end of the world. You just kind of have to pick them up, like, with two fingers and then pop them into your mouth, and then it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, um, I was personally, I had, like, some onion jam left over, and I was personally eating, like, a little bit more onion jam when I was eating the mm-hmm. buns. Mm-hmm. So I think I think Ruby was actually right to put them in the center and maybe to cut them in half, and so maybe they look like a little sandwich instead of... I don't know, flavor-wise and just, like, eating them-wise, that might be the better way to go. But I wanted to see if I could pipe if I could pipe, pipe them in. And I do have a little, like, ingest, injector tip, but the goat's cheese was too thick for it. So mm. um, I ended up just kind of using a larger tip and having a slightly larger slice in. And then I also decided I wanted the goat's cheese to show a bit at the edges, like so mm. you could see mm-hmm. um, that it was packed full of whipped goat's cheese. Yeah, I think that was a good call. That You can, you can see the goat cheese and it does look very appetizing. Um, you got a good rise and roundness and even consistency through them. Like they all look very similarly sized and very spherical like they kind of look like little timbits um, I, I was also wondering if you did a, a wash on them at all Mm-mm. no um who is is it becca that or no Kim, francis Kimberly? does a wash oh, Fran- to okay. intentionally uh retard Inhibit the puff a the little rise. bit yeah yeah um but uh but also like to give it kind of a golden color and like and yeah. it, again it being gluten-free um i was wondering if you thought that would work because yours look really good but they are they're pale right and, and they're yeah. that gluten-free flour mix color yeah. that we're always talking about <laughs> yeah um or do you think that would like that would inhibit the rise too much I, it's harder to get the rise from the gluten-free flour than it is from i think um so 
I probably wouldn't do the wash and I'd just live with the golden color, which is, mm-hmm. it, I think it's a little nicer in person than it shows up in photographs because I don't, I'm not a terribly great photographer and I tried to take these in natural light, but it's a little touch and go. Food is notoriously hard to get the colors right in photographs yeah. um, in general. Like food requires the most color retouching and the most careful color lighting. I think that they were, the bake on them was exactly where I wanted it to be. And I'm happy for them to be like a lighter golden color. If I don't know. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. too bothered by that. I guess I could try a wash on a couple of them next time and see if it noticeably inhibits the rise. I would like to do these again in their... Uh, sweet version like profiteroles with um what are they is it just whipped cream and chantilly cream in the center and then like ganache on top oh i could also do eclairs too that's the same Mm -hmm. anyway i want to do a sweet one at some point in time which i guess this is my last episode doing andrea's baking corner for this series because next time is the finale and Mm -hmm. we'll have a guest and so i should just i just need to have a random reason to bake profiteroles i remember mixing mashed potatoes gruyere cheese and chives and like like a very very sort of thin buttery mashed potato like a very very whipped potato Mm. uh texture and putting those inside of shoe shoe puffs yeah that was pretty i remember that was my favorite one of the things i tried yeah i love i have gruyere in my fridge right now (laughs) So that's so another just, option if you're looking for yeah. cheese cheese puff variations. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, as I meant, we had it. So we had it with soup. Like I made a um, tomato, eggplant, pepper kind of soup. And so we had um, these canapes and soup for dinner one night. And it was pretty good. That's was nice. Switching it up. Yeah. I would. That sounds perfect, actually. I feel like we eat a lot of bland vegetable soups in this season and having a side of cheesy carb (laughs) sounds wonderful that's a really good idea for the season Mm -hmm. um but yeah you're right uh next episode there will be no andrew's baking quarter we will have another special guest to talk about Mm -hmm. their thoughts on the season and their relationship with guvo very exciting so the showstopper this week was opera cake Seven even layers of jacon sponge with buttercream, ganache, syrup, and glaze representing the four acts of the opera. And um, I feel like British people talk about varieties of sponge in a way that North Americans do not. And so <laughs> they're always talk- like, oh, we're doing a Victoria sponge, we're doing a jacon sponge, and they're always just like, cakes? Like you're doing cakes. You said that, and I was picturing like an a British person saying that, and then an American standing next to them saying, "Is it from a box or not?" Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Sue has probably her like, like um brainiest pun of the season at the beginning of this one. Um, she says like "cosy van fruity," and Mel says, "Oh, she's good. She's Mel's such a good hype person. I love Mel." She might be my favorite. Sue's like a like a clear favorite to choose, but Mel is like the slow burn mm. favorite. So again, I was watching this in a caffeine withdrawal haze, and I had written down yeah. in my notes at one point, "I don't want to do this competition. I want to be Mel and Sue." 
Yeah. Like, I want to just kind of swan around making jokes, like, you know, taking bites of things and sort of half-heartedly helping with things, being like, I'll, just, I'll hold that here for you. Whatever. I don't know. Their job looked really fun and chill this episode in a way it doesn't always. Yeah, especially as everyone else. Well, no, I guess it's really only Ruby was, like, melting down. People do melt down sometimes. They do. Um, and they so, do. That, yeah, they're, like, the emotional support for that. Just speaking of Ruby melting down... Um, I'm sorry to jump to jump here, but before the judging, but after the cakes are finished, yeah, yeah, Ruby. So first of all, the camera keeps cutting to her apron that is like completely destroyed. It's just completely covered in chocolate. And she says, why can't I work at the same pace as normal people? I feel like I'm going full speed, but I'm just behind everyone. And I feel like all the, this all the time, but like, this is not normal, right? Like you are not in normal circumstances. You are not with normal people. You are like competing at the top of your game you know you are among the people who are best at something and you're you're totally like keeping up and I feel like this happens to people all the time when they're competing at a higher level or like when they've reached that you know it it gets in your head that the only people in the world are like the people directly around you you know Mm. I I feel this all the time about uh, housework or kind of basic routine or adult (laughs) responsibilities I always feel like I don't understand how everyone else has time to work and clean their house and take care of their home and feed themselves and get all their chores done and keep up with their house maintenance and their bureaucracy and banking. You know, like the, the routine work of adulthood to me feels so overwhelming and so time consuming. I don't understand how everyone else manages to do it. And all the adults you see around you manage to do it. Um, but this is, this is a, yeah, this is a ridiculous comparison on Ruby's part. I feel like, again, it's, and it's something that always happens to people I think when they're competing at a high level is this belief that this is the world, you know, they completely forget you are in the 1% of people at doing this, you know? Yeah. I had that same thought. Um, it's a cognitive misperception. It's a misperception. Yeah. Or not exactly like shifting baseline syndrome, but sort of, Mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, everyone watching her at home is like, dude, come on. I feel that. I think we do all do it. Not everyone does pay their bills and clean their house, by the way, Kim. <laughs> like lots of lots of people who don't. I don't know. It is hard to keep up with everything. Um, yeah, so, alrighty. Oh, opera cake. So, it's usually coffee and chocolate, which are two flavors that go super well together. The bakers have to choose their own flavors. So, Ruby's sounds probably the most tempting to me personally. She does chocolate, almond praline, and saffron. Um, And Paul gives her a hard time for choosing saffron because he thinks it's going to get lost. And she's like, I chose it because I like saffron. And then there's a shot of her later just like hawking saffron into something like he'll taste it. She yeah, she says she puts it in the syrup that she uses to brush the sponges yeah. and says it's just to spite Paul, who doesn't believe it yeah. will work. And it comes through actually, like when they judge it, when they taste it, the saffron comes through. So it is in the judging of this one where she seems so defeated and anxiety sick that they mm. the, this is the one where they don't see the point in continuing to grill her. Um Paul says later, you know, when they're alone in the judging tent with Mel and Sue, that this one tastes the best. Like, this is the one that he would choose if he was going to eat a slice of one of them. Um, And most of its problems were structural and aesthetic. You know, it was sagging in one corner. The edges weren't perfectly neat. It doesn't quite have the the finish that they wanted, you know, the decorative flair that they wanted. Um, But, yeah, she she looks 
sick you know she looks so pale and so exhausted and so upset she gets marks for the flavors she gets marks for texture because she has the praline as that like crunchy layer Mm -hmm. um and and uh i think that in some ways it's a win to be the person whose ugly cake is the one that's most delicious right like Mm -hmm. I would I would rather have that than the gorgeous cake that doesn't taste like anything. And maybe we should segue into Frances. Well, so she so does they all don't they all do badly is what I would say. Yeah, this they round. do all do poorly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's not like like to say like Ruby's tasted the best, I don't think was that much of a feat ultimately in this one. The other three tasted yeah. bad. It wasn't like yeah. they were all good and Ruby's <laughs> was the best. It was like three of them tasted bad. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's a bit surprising, I guess, but I guess they kind of wanted to uh, just do something different. So Frances does white chocolate for ganache, which is tricky, as she talks about, because it's melting chocolate and getting and tempering it is tricky. And it's tricky enough with dark chocolate. It's very technically tricky with a white chocolate. She pulls it off. Mm-hmm. Her flavors are lemon and French lavender and white chocolate. Those are all good flavors, but she doesn't dial them up enough, and so her cake tastes like nothing. It looks like a gorgeous nothing. It looks beautiful. Her layers are super well-defined. She's got great edges. She's got great structure. Everything is the way it should be in terms of the thinness of the layers. It looks professional, and then it tastes like nothing if the judges are to be trusted. It, it tastes like white chocolate, which sort of tastes like nothing, right? It yeah. tastes like flat sweet. You can't taste the lavender, you can't taste the lemon. Um, or it's or there's not enough lemon, you can't taste the lavender is what they said. Uh, hers yeah. is actually the one that I would have ordered off the menu, actually. I feel like those three flavors, how they worked, go really well together and it would have been sort of refreshing and really different, especially when you're talking about a cake that is inherently really heavy and really intense. Like this is the one that you actually could have eaten a whole slice of, I would have thought. At the conception stage, um, I felt like Kimberly's, I would have really wanted to taste it because it sounded really interesting, but I would have been afraid to commit to a whole slice. Um, yeah. And then the problems that her has are not at all what I was expecting. Like I thought they were going to say, no. so she has um, lime and passion fruit flavors in her cake as well as uh, dark chocolate. And I had a lot of trouble kind of imagining how those three would play together. And so I was like interested, mm. but maybe it's not good. And instead, they said that the dark chocolate overwhelmed the other flavors. Like, it tastes like nothing but incredibly intense, rich chocolate bitterness. Um, They also pointed that she, her top layer of chocolate lost all its shine. It was matte. Uh, But also that it was, you know, a hard, stiff layer of tempered chocolate. So when you put pressure on it to eat it, it kind of just, it cracks and the pressure destroys the layers below. If she'd had it in the center, it would have been better because she would have had a little bit of crunch from it but it would have softened a bit mm-hmm. um as she put the other layers on but yeah i think i don't my guess is that maybe she didn't she didn't run through testing this one enough and so it kind of just fell flat um the worst the absolute worst of the bunch though it must be said is the banoffee yeah cake that becca makes it's As she's describing what she's going to do to the judges as she's baking, 
She's going to put fresh bananas through her caramel, which for me is like an absolute In the no. buttercream. The fresh banana was in the buttercream. In the buttercream. Right. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Which is an absolute, like, just a no-go. Um, although Frances pulled off making uh, banana caramel. She made, like, those banoffee millionaire mm, shortbread. Yeah, yeah. But... It's tricky to pull off, and I don't think Becca has quite the skill level as Francis, if we're honest. I have defended this flavor combination to you before, and I do think there's nothing wrong with bananas and caramel. I think that that could be great. (laughs) Um, This cake is ridiculous. There's banana in every element. Like, every element of a very complex cake has banana flavoring in it somehow, right? She has banana chips on the top. Terrible idea. She uses banana essence. Terrible. Which is the worst idea of all. Like, banana essence is a very specific medicine. Yeah, it's a very recognizable flavor to people, right? It is like scratchings to stickers. It is medicine. (laughs) It is chemistry labs you know like it is used to cover up a lot of things it's like you know nail polish remover it's like lip gloss it's it's horrible and it of course overwhelms everything right is that artificial banana flavor and then they say that it's gravelly and grainy and it's like of course it is because that's what happens when you mush up banana right like mushed banana does eventually get like, I knew exactly what they meant. Like, the, there is a banana mush texture that is extraordinarily unpleasant. And at that volume, like, oh. Well, she also, she blitzed banana chips to put them in with the flour yeah. in the cake. Yeah. So that, I'm assuming that's where some of the gravel came from, too. But, oh, God. As she was describing it, I was like, this is going to be a nightmare. And and that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the worst one. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Last thought on the decoration. I can't believe they can all handwrite the word opera so well in liquid yes. chocolate. That is incredible to me. I can't believe all four of them can do that. Yeah, it wasn't so bad. They, there's an opera cake challenge at some point in time in another series, which like if we haven't gotten to that series yet, maybe I'll make myself try the opera cake. However, I'm missing the, the baking pan that you need mm. to do these kinds of cake. Mm. And it's also why I, yeah, Swiss roll, you, it's the same. I'm going to have to acquire another pan, which my kitchen's filling up with baking stuff. Um, anyway, I forgot what I was saying. But, oh, when they do the opera cake, I might bake along with them, and that might be my bake along, because I should try it out. But at that challenge, there are lots of people who fail much worse at writing opera on their cakes because it's tricky it seems like it, it seems incredibly hard to me I, I could not think of doing that you know like like picturing the the piping bag in my hand I just I can't I can't imagine it it would just it would be nothing it would not be it would not be a word it would not be recognizable there'd just be like a spill of chocolate across Francis's in particular yes. is extremely well done it looks it looks professional her whole cake looks professional this episode is emotionally tricky because it's the last person they say like for one of these people it's the last person they're gonna it's the last time they're gonna be presenting a bake to the judges at one point and that's true every episode but the tension is so ratcheted up because there's only one person there who's not going to be going to the finale mm-hmm. and it's becca who gets cut and ruby cries Ruby is crying before it's announced Ruby is crying through the speeches through the announcement of Kimberly as the winner um 
and she looks she looks very upset. She looks very fragile. Becca actually looks pretty like solid and resigned um, up until they mm. say it. Um, and it, like she's crying in the talking head afterward. Um, and for the for the obvious reasons, you know, that she was so close, it didn't quite make it. Um, and how upset she is in this moment, even as she knows she's going to be proud of herself later. And, and it yeah. was a wonderful experience. Yeah, I, I was so glad that Kimberly won. I feel like so many weeks I have felt like she was robbed. You know, there were so many weeks I felt like she yeah. should have won or she was really, really close. You know, she was second by a hair. Uh, and it's like, finally, she gets Starbaker. She 100% deserves Starbaker, even though her opera cake hit a sour note. Dun, dun, dun. Is that is that a bonus pun or is that the, <laughs> the one for the week? That's a bonus pun. Do you have any final thoughts? you know, going into the finale, any last thoughts on the season? I think it was an emotionally trickier season than last season. Like there were more neurotic people and more people who I liked who got sent home and I was sad to see them go, but it was like their time to go. But I think we're going into the finale with the three strongest bakers. I don't tend to remember who wins. It's always a surprise to me because it really feels like it could be anyone going into the finale. How about you? I found last season emotionally difficult too. And there were a lot Mm. of people I connected to and related to. I actually would say I related to people more last season. Like I saw myself in the contestants Mm. more in series three. And in this series, there are more people I enjoy watching. You know, they're people I like, they're people I'd want to be friends with, or I'd want to date, or I wish for my dad, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Mm. But they're not people I recognize as behaving like me or thinking like me. Um, And so that's a different emotional response, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel sympathetic to these people less than I relate to them exactly, I guess. Perhaps because so many more of them were competent. (laughs) and Like, they were competent, and they were positive, and they were like good people, you know, that they were good, competent people with, you know, with great spirit and great like life philosophy. And, you know, you feel like even even when, you know, I feel like Becca bakes very well for what is being asked of her in her life. You know what I mean? Like, for example, the opera cake that didn't go well, right? Like one of the things that, that Paul criticized her for was that the layers were too thick, right? And I had the thought again of she has to feed an army at home, you know, like she has a reason to (laughs) make her cakes as like big as possible, you know? Uh, I feel like these people are doing very well at their lives, you know, and I feel good about them going back to their lives. And yeah, I don't know. I I feel positive and warm and fuzzy about them, but I don't see myself in them in the same way. Yeah, that's fair. Last season, who was the person who you saw? Oh, I guess we talked about seeing ourselves in John and James alternatively. Yeah. Um, I, it is true. I don't really see myself exactly in any three of the contestants who are seeing go through the finale and definitely not Becca either. Although I do share some of Ruby's neuro- neurotic qualities. Uh, I, I would also say I related to Brendan quite a bit last season too. Mm. Um, I don't know. A, a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people who they were flawed in ways I recognized, I guess. I think I probably related most to Glenn this season. Personally. I love Glenn, like, but do not relate to him at yeah. all. <laughs> Which makes sense, because that's why you're my best friend. Um, Yeah. 
This has been The Rough Puffs. Uh, your hosts are Andrea Bennett and Kim Fu. Uh, we both write books. Andrea's most recent is Like a Boy But Not a Boy. Uh, it's an essay collection, and it's very good, and it's available wherever fine books are sold. Uh, my next one is available for pre-order, and it's called Lesser Known Monsters oh. of the 21st Century, and it's a story collection. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Rough Puffs or on Instagram at The Rough Puffs. Um, come and argue with us about the things we say on our show i would argue. i want to hear your opinions do you bicker do you know do who do you love the same people we do do you who are, who are your favorites are they different do you think someone else was robbed do you love banana cake oh yeah let us Please know let us know <laughs> not appealing to me um that's also a bonus pun wow we got so many this week uh, good night, everyone, and good night, Becca. I thought you were a shoe in, but alas, that's a sad one. Yeah.